Praise the Lord. Good, good. Okay. Now, for those who know me well, (laughs) when I'm excited about a message, it's hard for me to stand still. This is one of those today. So I encourage you, take notes. Um, Take notes, I'm telling you, because I want to speak quite quickly, actually. Um, So, Lord, I just pray that you just guide me today (laughs) in my words. Control me so I don't go too fast. I can hear Pastor Claude saying hallelujah. And Debbie's being very happy. Where is Debbie? She's there. Oh, praise the Lord. I'll try to go as slow as I can. But today, I'm going to be focusing on the topic of deliverance. Deliverance. The title of my message is No Strings on Me. Now, you can see the puppet Pinocchio. That comes later. But before we go there, let's go on a bit of a journey. I'm not going to use many stories in the Bible because deliverance is a concept that is multi-layered. And I'm going to try and explain it to you the best I can that makes sense. So are we ready? Yes. Okay, good. Let's do this. Okay. First of all, I want us to make a note of Hebrews 11 verse 3. And as they're making a note, could the video team just prepare the CGI picture? Okay, so, I like films. I like sci-fi films. I like Marvel films. I like DC films. I, I like action films. Now, maybe I need a bit of deliverance as well, because maybe I like them a bit too much. But what's really interesting about um, action films is that it looks so exciting. So many things are happening. But then when you realize the production, nothing's happening. Literally nothing. Let's take a, a view of this picture. There's this man. In reality, the top, the top picture is the real picture. He is simply standing in front of a green screen. That's it. That's all that is inside that room. But if it was in a film, the bottom picture is what you would see. And I thought to myself, this is amazing. How can they do this? How come I'm watching a film and I'm seeing something that's not really there? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, that's Bible. And I think I even shouted out, that's Bible when I was in the cinema. What do I mean by it's Bible? Hebrews 11.3, listen to this. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is crazy, this verse. What that verse basically is saying is this. Everything that you see in the natural, touch, touch your chair beside you. You see that chair that you're sitting on and the chair beside you? That, was, that is a natural, that is um, in the physical realm as it were. But this verse says that everything that you can touch, taste, feel, see, everything that you can uh, engage with, its birthplace was in the spirit realm. This is very important. Listen, and I'm going to read it again. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen, what we see, was not made out of things that are visible. Every raw material that you see in this world was spoken out by God. Where God is from isn't from the physical realm. But he spoke, what, what, he spoke words from the realm of the spirit and his words had creative power. And we call them things in the natural realm. Now this is very intriguing. The spirit realm is a layer of reality 
that precedes the layer of the physical realm. That is fundamental before you to understand anything else today. I'll say that again. Especially those who use Photoshop, you'll understand this. The spirit realm is a layer of reality that comes before the layer of the physical reality that we see. So basically, the spirit realm is in front, it's behind, it comes before what we see. It comes before what we touch. The programming code of everything you see is spiritual. Science is, is, is a great thing. The more science progresses, they are simply going further and further into the programming language of God. Physics, metaphysics, all of these things are just, they're just getting closer to God's blueprint. Now this is amazing. Why is this amazing? Because that means this. We're connected to a God who created all things that we see. Every need that you have, every need that you have is a physical need, a financial need, and we're created to a God who is the creator and provider of all of those things. Therefore, if we were to connect, tap into this God who can supply all these things in the natural, why would you ever have lack? Think about that. Why would you ever have lack? Let's go into scripture more. Maybe you're thinking, ah, Pastor Andrew, I'm not too sure. Physical realm, spiritual realm, what, what, what are you talking about here? Okay, 2 Kings, chapter 6, verse 15 to 20. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with, um, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So Elisha now says, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are, who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. Now I could continue, but the, the essence I'm trying to bring you to is this. Elisha's servant saw the natural. He saw an army against him and Elisha and in... West London slang, he basically said this. Oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in big trouble, Elisha. We are in big trouble. Open your eyes, look what's happening. But the eyes that Elisha had weren't physical eyes. I, Elisha was connected to the spirit realm. Remember, that same realm that, that precedes the physical realm, it's a greater realm. And Elisha's confidence wasn't in what he saw in the natural, it's what he saw in the spiritual. So he says to his servant, my servant, just receive this blessing, Lord open his eyes. And then finally, he could see what God wanted him to see. Step back. How true could that be to you in the situation you're going through right now? 
What does God want your eyes to be open to? What does God want your physical eyes to be closed to? What's affecting your faith? What's affecting your decisions? Now, I find all of this spiritual realm stuff fascinating. It's how God has designed me. I'm very intrigued in all kinds of things. But I want you to understand this. Though I've explained that there is a spiritual realm, I I have to give you the bad news. There's a good side and a bad side. There There is a kingdom of darkness in this realm, and there is a kingdom of light. Now, I need you guys to really to understand how powerful the spiritual realm is. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 11.4. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. This is very significant, shall I tell you why? Anyone who wants to take their time and study frequencies, you'll realize that the frequency to sound and the frequency to light is connected. It's just a case of one is a high frequency, one is a low frequency. Now, the reason why I'm saying this is this. From the spiritual realm, there are frequencies, sounds being released. And the question is, we are like, um, uh, what were you like? We're like, uh, we're like toy cars. When I was young, my mum bought me a toy car. It had a remote control, put some batteries in. You control it. The car would receive the transmission of the controller. So what I'm trying to say is this. You are the toy car. The question is, what transmission are you receiving? What frequency from the realm of the spirit is affecting what comes out of your mouth? Is affecting the decisions coming um, that, is, that, you're, that you're choosing to make? What is it? You have to understand this. This is worth writing down. I want to give you a poll right now. You, as a human, us as humans, we're never in control. In and of ourselves. The question is, who do you choose to control you? It will either be dark or it will be light. Very important. And for those who think they are in control and they're living la vida loca, then, well, I'm telling you this, you're receiving the wrong frequency. Amen? Amen. The word of God is the ultimate frequency from that realm. And it has the power to create. It has the power to guide. It has the power to do so many things. But like I was saying, there is a malevolent frequency as well. I was asking, I was talking to some children. I said, okay, how can I explain the spiritual realm? And I, I said to them, how do you know that the wind exists? What do you think they said? Ah, good. One said, ah, I can see its effect on, the, on a tree. Very good. And I said to them, you've got it. You see, I can't tell you, can you see the wind? You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of wind. I can't present to you Uh, an angel or a demon right now, but I can tell you its effects. If we are to go to scripture, you'll see so many stories of Jesus doing so many things, affecting the physical realm because he was tapped into the spiritual realm. And as a result, his words were life. They were the programming that could change any physical issue. Let's go deeper here. I love this. You have to guard what you say. 
because you don't know where it's coming from sometimes. Let me expand. Job. The enemy and God were speaking in heaven. In heaven. Let's establish that. This conversation that I'm going to tell you took place in heaven. And in one of these many conversations that the enemy and, and um, God had, the enemy said this. Job will curse you to your face. He said that. And God knew he wouldn't. Now listen to what the enemy said. He said to God, Job will curse you to your face. This conversation took place in heaven. Later in the story, I believe in chapter 2, Job's wife says to Job, when will you curse God and die? Did she go to heaven? No. But what happened is that she picked up a wrong frequency and spoke out the enemy's plan for Job. Let me ask you all this. Those who aren't ready to control their mouths, how many times have you spoken out the enemy's plan for your friend's life? For your family? Because they upset you? I'm deeply challenged by this. Because in these moments, I realize how flimsy I am. If I'm not willing to control my mouth, I am literally saying, enemy, you can control it for me. The Bible says that life and death comes forth from the mouth. My question to you all, are you speaking life or are you speaking death? Let's go deeper. But I'm a Christian. Pastor Andrew's talking about demons and, and spiritual realm. Uh, what has the kingdom of darkness and demons got to do with me? I'm a Christian. I can't be possessed. Let's break this down. Let's really sort this out. Yes, you are a Christian. 1 Thessalonians 5 um, verse 23 talks about your state of being. You are a tri-state being. You have a body. You have a soul. You are a spirit. Okay. I am a spirit, I have a soul, I live in a body. Spirit, soul, body is what makes you. Your spirit belongs to God. Who you are belongs to God. That's why it talks about that we are a, 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 a royal priesthood, God's own possession. You are a possession of God. True. But here's the problem with the translation of the word possession in the English Bible. It's not what you think. It's not talking about ownership. It's really talking about influence. I'll say that again. It's not talking about ownership. It's talking about influence. Okay, let's make a division. In this world, you have two types of people. You have people who are from the kingdom of light. You have people who are yet to believe in Jesus who are part of the kingdom of darkness. These are the two types of people. The kingdom you're from reveals the nature you have. So if you are from the kingdom of light, your spirit is righteous. If you are from the kingdom of darkness, you are unregenerated. Your spirit is still old and disconnected from God. Those who are disconnected from God are under the power of darkness. In that sense, in that sense, they're owned by the enemy. That's why the gospel is so important. Because there's friends, there's loved ones, there's even enemies who don't know Jesus Christ. 
And at this moment of time, they are, what the Bible says, slaves to sin. But for Christians, that's not the case. You're not owned by the enemy, you're owned by God. You're a child of light. You're a slave to righteousness. But here's the issue. So most Christians will say to me, yeah, but Pastor A, does that mean I can't be possessed then? Because I'm owned by God, that means I can't be owned by the enemy. Though you can't be owned by the enemy, you can be influenced by him. And this is what possession is really about. It's about influence. And if I really go really deep, which I will right now, it's about your level of influence. How deep am I being influenced by the enemy? Now, <laughs> many people think, oh, yeah, but if I accept the gospel, isn't all well? Spiritually, spiritually, yes, your spirit is perfect. But you're not just a spirit. You have a soul and a body. Your soul, I'll say this again, your soul is under the process of sanctification. Worth writing down. Sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God in your soul. The one thing that can define your sanctification is what you do, or better, the time you give to God for him to do work in you is called consecration. You have to consecrate yourself for God to sanctify you. Important. Your whole Christian lifestyle on earth is based on that. When you are not doing that, that's when the troubles come. Now, I'm not saying those people who do it and they don't find no troubles, you will still have troubles. But the one who sanctifies is the one who has the victory. So if you want the victory, allow him to be victorious. You cannot have victory over the enemy in your own flesh, in your own strength. It cannot happen. So what am I trying to say? Are you being influenced by the enemy? If I give you the correct definition, in the Bible, when you see the word possessed, this person was possessed, the word is really, um, is really demonized. Demonized, definition, to be influenced by a demon till you make an act, until you do what the demon is influencing you to do. That is to be demonized. To be oppressed is very similar. Is when a demon is exercising his dominion against that person. So it's really just seen that from the perspective of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the enemy. The enemy wants to oppress you. When the enemy is oppressing you, you are being demonized. The question is, how, what is the level of this Demonization, that's the best way to describe it. What is the level of the enemy's influence in your life? So many people have heard the gospel, a very funny gospel, which basically says, you know, accept Jesus Christ and his grace, that's it, that's all. Grace, hallelujah. Do your thing, God's grace is for you. See, there's a problem with that message. There's a problem with that message. This is the problem with that message. Those who accept that message, whether it's the true gospel or not, that's down, for another, that's down for another conversation. But those who accept that message will never live a life of consecration. They'll never do it. Because God's grace. No matter what I do, God will love me anyway. But you haven't seen the other side of that coin. 
Yes, no matter what you do, God will love you anyway, but the other side of that coin says God wants you to receive his love. He wants you to receive his grace. So you saying, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to allow God's grace to just, he will love me anyway. What you're actually saying is, I reject your love. God, I reject your love. I reject your, your ability for me to do things that I couldn't do. I don't want it. I'd rather do my own thing. You're basically falling into the trap of the enemy. And I believe one of the traps of the enemy is to reword um, Romans 6 verse 1 for you. Listen to Romans 6 verse 1. Listen to this. What shall we say then? This is people who've just heard the gospel. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The enemy wants to say this to so many people. Continue to sin for grace to abound. Continue to do what you want for God's unmerited favor to continue. Let me tell you this. Those who do that are not realizing that they are the light of the world. Those who do that are not realizing that they are the salt to the earth. If you do that, you will lose your saltiness. If you do that, your light will be covered. If you do that, God's grace cannot be known. And when God's grace is known, lives are changed. One aim of demonization is this, for you to be a lukewarm Christian. That is one of the enemy's aims. If he can convince you to be lukewarm, if you can come to agreement and God's grace is good enough anyway, if you can come into agreement, then guess what? That's one less Christian looking like Christ. And I'm encouraging you in this message today. Paul says to approach your salvation with fear and trembling. Let me tell you this, brothers and sisters. Paul was with this church and people would come to him and yeah, they, they would they'd really be showing him, proving to him they're saved. But when he left, he was saying, listen, just because I'm gone doesn't mean you should stop walking this out well. Let me tell you this, guys, worth writing down. Your salvation wasn't just something that took place one day. Your salvation should be an experience. Your salvation should be an experience. Salvation, if you unpack the word, it means wholeness. It means healedness. It means um, delivered from. It means protected. It means so many things. You should be experiencing the word salvation every day. And guess whose name salvation is? Jesus. Come on now. I want you to know, don't be happy with being a miserable person if that's you. Don't be happy being, uh, you know, an, uh, I don't know, a jealous person if that's what you've noticed. Don't, be, don't accept financial issues in your life. Don't accept these. Let me tell you what the enemy, if you allow him to influence your life, this is what he wants to do. He wants to, one, affect your sense of identity. He wants to, two, affect habits, give you addictions. He wants to affect your finances. He wants to affect what you spend and how you spend. He wants to affect your relationships. Who will be your friends? Who will be your loved one? Do you know the enemy either wants you 
if it's, God's, if it's your desire to be married, the enemy either wants you not to be married or to marry the wrong person. But they won't tell you that. You don't understand your lack of, our lack of consecration, sanctification is actually allowing the enemy to influence us. And the worst thing about deception is that you don't know you're deceived. So you'll be looking for it, desiring it with all your heart, but not knowing you're desiring the wrong thing. I'll continue. The enemy wants to affect your emotions, your desires. He wants to affect the job you go for. He doesn't want you to have a job. And if you do get a job, he wants you to get the wrong job. He wants to affect your education. He wants to affect, um, uh, he wants to affect your communication to people. He wants to affect everything. And when I say he wants to affect it, it's not for good. Everything concerning your life that is good, he wants to either kill, steal, or destroy it. The enemy hates all of us with a passion. Let me give you the mindset of the enemy a little bit. This is quite interesting. Imagine, imagine there is a man. He's killed many people. He's sentenced to prison, right? He still hates people. He hasn't changed his ways. But a horrible um, um, police officer releases him for a week. What do you think such a man would do in seven days? You lot could imagine, right? He would be vindictive. And everything he would do is simply a manifestation of his heart. Why do I use this as an example? Because the enemy knows his end day. And he is vindictive. He wants to, as he goes down, he wants to bring as many people down with him. And maybe not to hell eternally, but to make life as hellish as possible whilst you're here. I tell you this, brothers and sisters. The Bible says, do not give the enemy place in your life. Don't give him place. Why? The enemy has power. But what the enemy does not have is authority. In order for the enemy to have authority, he needs territory. You are territory to the enemy. And anything you permit to the enemy gives him authority to operate in your life. I tell you this, the amount of hurts I see in church, the amount of hurts I see in church is because people are not walking fully with God. I'll call it for what it is. Why do we find it? Why do you find it acceptable? <laughs> I'm going to teach him, but this isn't good. Why do we find it acceptable to not show care? Why do we find it acceptable to constantly be angry? Why do we find it acceptable to, 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 to sit on a chair that hasn't got your name on it and get angry when you see someone sit in your chair that doesn't have your name on it. Why, why do we get moved like this? Why do we get so offended if someone didn't say hello to us? Why do we do, we shouldn't consider this normal. And this is what I'm trying to say. The things that we consider normal is what will permit the enemy to continue doing things in our life and we be unawares. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this. Listen to this, very powerful. 
it's not a sin to believe a lie. But sin will be done by you based on the error you have believed. This is why the enemy is called the father of lies. Listen to this. What I'm trying to say is this. Demonic influence begins at deception. The moment you believe a lie, you have now become under, you can, you've now become influenceable. The moment you believe a lie. And this is why we should be running home and just looking into our Bibles, just feeding on the Word. Why? To renew our minds. Why? Because the more truth we know, the more lies we can sieve out. And the more lies we can sieve out gives the enemy less terrain in our lives. We give him no place. I want to encourage you on this. How does someone get influenced? This is how. Do nothing concerning the things of God. Do not guard your mouth. Do not guard your eyes. Everything to you, don't guard your eyes. Watch anything. This is how you get influenced. Do not guard your heart. Do not control your emotions. Do what everyone else is doing. Get offended easily. Keep unforgiveness. Set your affections on things on the earth. Do not do what Jesus said. Live life in the flesh. Edwin, I would like you to come up, my friend. Now, I want everyone to see this really good illustration. Now, Edwin's wearing a jacket. He doesn't stand here, my friend. He's wearing a jacket. This jacket represents his flesh, biblically. Now, his flesh isn't his body that I'm touching, no. His flesh, the best way to describe your flesh, it is, it is your nature without God. It's the best way to describe it. It's just your nature without God, without the Holy Spirit's guidance, is your flesh. Listen to this. All sin comes from the flesh. The flesh is not sin, but anything, anything that you can do requires you to be in the flesh, not being moved by God. Now check this out. Here's a problem with the flesh. The flesh has desires. The world has lusts for your flesh. Pastor Scott, do you want to come up, please? Now what's really interesting about Edwin's flesh. Let's take hold of that, yeah? About four, don't worry. Scott doesn't know what he's doing right now, right? What's so interesting about the flesh is this. When you're walking in the flesh without God, you become a target for the enemy's hooks in your life. Scott, just want you to place some hooks there. Now, what's so interesting about this? Yeah, thank you. What's so interesting about the enemy's hooks in your life is that when he has his influence, he has the ability to influence you. So if I want to move Edwin's left arm, it will move. Put it down. Now, the enemy doesn't really want to move your left arm, okay? But whatever this left arm movement 
symbolizes in your life. Whatever sin it is, is it pornography? Is it masturbation? Is it theft? Is it lying? Whatever it is, as long as the enemy has power and you're authorizing him to take power, he will manifest his ways in you. Now the reality is this. The Bible says, because, I want everyone to imagine that this is an unbeliever in your life. This unbeliever has hooks everywhere. The enemy is moving him up and down like a, like a, like, like a doll. Christ came to set the captives free. I want you to understand this. Because Christ came, he wants to give us a new lifestyle, a new way of living that is not of the flesh, but is of the spirit. So I just want you to take your jacket off. Take it off. Edwin is powerful when he is wrapped in God's presence. Romans 13, 14. God wants you to come, seek him, pray. Not just so you sound eloquent. So his reality covers you. So you're free from the old. So you realize that the one who is righteous has made you right in his sight. And you start to believe what God believes. And you start to do what God does. He says, go right, you go right. He says, go left, you go left. The enemy will always be there around, but guess what? Because he's decided to seek the kingdom first, everything that God has for him, he'll get. Brothers and sisters, God's desire is for you to know that there is no strings in you. You could pick up your stuff, Tom. Thank you. Let's clap for Edwin. There's no strings on you. There should be no power of darkness in operation in your life. It can happen, but why let it happen? We don't need it to happen. So we choose him, not the evil one. I believe what God wants to do today is set people free. Now, you see, deliverance is an ongoing thing. I don't want people to think that deliverance is you need to be crawling on the ceiling. No. Right? There was one time I was walking down the roads and I coughed. I was like... And the Holy Spirit said to me, deliverance. I said, really? He said, yeah, this is deliverance. I said, oh. So it doesn't have to be crazy. You have to understand that God doesn't want any stronghold in your mind. Remember, the stronghold is the lie of the enemy that you believe to be true that is not true. If that's gone, then the power to influence goes as well. However, some people have opened their lives up to too much stuff. You've allowed the enemy to um, hit you at a level uh, influence you at a level where he's really affecting things that I spoke about. Your finances, your family, your relationships. All these things are being af- affected. And I want to say this to you. If you want to open your eyes in the spirit and see that's true, that has been in my life, I am that way, I am too aggressive, I am this, I am that. That's not what God says I am, and I'm not going to allow that to continue in my life. Then let me tell you this, God has power available for you tonight. The word of God says, be holy as he is holy. Let's strive for this. Let's hunger for this. Because the less the enemy influences your life, 
the more you'll have answered prayers, the more you'll actually be able to see the Father's heart for you. Just because you're born again doesn't mean the enemy's not influencing you. Me, pastor, I'm telling you the enemy's influencing me. Shall I tell you why? Because I know great things that God has to do. And that's not just about the future to come, that's now. God wants to radically change you. He wants you to understand that he is there to be pursued. And if he is pursued, everything you desire, that he's told you to desire, will be yours. It's tangible. It's experiential. It goes way beyond theological, but it goes to the experience. 